Father, touch our minds that we might understand. Touch our ears that a stranger's voice we will not hearken unto, only the voice of the Father. Touch our hearts that we can receive, our hands that we can perform it, and our feet that we can walk it out. It's in Christ's name we pray every saint that agreed said amen. 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 We're in the book of Acts, trying to ascertain what it means to be a Christian. Like, how do you live it? How do you do it? We had a long study this year on the priestly order of Melchizedek, that Christ has come, that we might walk in, in that priestly order as he has walked in it, as both prophet, king, and priest, uh, the soon coming king. So we take the communion, similar to the, the vow that was taken back with Abraham to the, that Melchizedekian king, which we discovered was Shem, all right? Uh, and we take that same covenant. So this is before the Levites with the sacrificing of lambs and goats and birds and grain, but it's one where the ruler is sovereign overall. They speak for God, they run everything and they serve man in order to get to God. It's a wonderful position, and we are supposed to be mirroring that type of life as Melchizedekian priests. And while we can look at the, that theologically, really didn't know what it means. And for the most part, New Testament believers, um, modern Christians, looked at the New Testament and felt like we don't really have to live like this. You know, we're in America. You know, and times have changed. And there are certain things that were done biblically in the Bible that we shouldn't really, doesn't really apply to us anymore. And we find in our finding throughout this series that that is an absolute lie. Yeah. You know, you've got, to, you've got to change the rules in order to win. That's cheating. Hello, somebody. If this is how the Bible said you're supposed to live, then you don't get to change this. It's supposed to change you. Why is it that you need to redefine this? Why is it that you need to make it say something it doesn't say? All because you can't seem to live up to the standard. Hello, somebody. And this has become a, an, a, an epidemic in all of Christendom now, where everyone is just cutting out huge swatches of scripture and not looking at anything in context and reading every verse based off of how they originally thought it was and not allowing the Bible to say what it was supposed to say to the people it was supposed to say it to. Amen. One thing I loved about our martyr video is that the doors of their church stayed open. Amen. And people thought we were crazy when our doors stayed open during COVID. Hello, somebody. And we pray for those who were persecuted because of it. And, you know, if you had medical issues or concerns, you didn't need to come to church and we didn't permit you to come to church. But those that were healthy and had the faith that was sufficient. Amen. Not faith not to get COVID. Faith that no matter what, hello, somebody, you were still going to follow the Lord. Whether you got COVID or didn't get COVID, did you have enough faith? That you could remain strong in the Lord, whether you never got COVID or whether you did get COVID. Or would you getting COVID begin to make you question whether you should have been at church or all at all? Yeah. If you had that type of mentality, you were told not to come to church. 
What we fail to recognize is while we are changing the idea of how Christians are supposed to live in the New Testament to better fit us, the type of assignments we have as believers has not changed. We are still dealing with persecutions. We are still dealing with the threats of death. We are still being challenged and told not to assemble at the threat of death. We're challenged with not to assemble and not to live as believers at the threat of comfort. At the threat of what society might think. At the standards of, of what it means to be a, a citizen of the United States of America. So surely I can't live like that because that's, that's a bit much. The persecution is still the same. The methods, unfortunately, have not changed. They're the same methods. You have just grown dull in seeing and hearing them. They've been the same. Hello? And while you got your degrees and all, <laughs> you got so smart, you, you can pick apart scripture, sometimes incorrectly, right? <laughs> Based off of your opinion and not actual study. You formulate ideas about what you think the Bible says from other ideas that you have. Nobody ever taught you. Okay. If I had to title this message anything, the subtitle, we are on Acts, the Acts of the Saints, part 19. Last week we looked at the kingdom comes in power. Today I want to look at What are you standing on? What are you standing on? We're going to cover uh, quite a few chapters today in Acts. We have uh, several to go, primarily because Acts has a lot of chapters, but there's some of the stories we're going to look at today in the book of Acts start in chapter 19, and then they thread through about three other chapters, 21, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. Um, I'm going to go as far as I can today, you know, but we have next Sunday. Amen. Hello. Amen. Some of us. <laughs> Some of y'all don't go here. You got to go back home to your home church. Hello, somebody. So you only have this Sunday. People are like, who ain't going to be here, Pastor? <laughs> Let's pick up in Acts chapter 19. We left off last week that uh, Paul was doing some mighty miracles. Handkerchiefs and towels that had touched him, people could take them and heal their family and the sick, and great and mighty miracles were done through Paul. It was a beautiful time. The power that God had used in Paul's life had become so apparent that people that didn't really follow Christ uh, began to try to cast out demons in the name of Jesus. They believed so much in the power of Christ's name 
that they felt that they could cast out these demons with that same name and authority. The situation here is not that the, the sons of Siva did not believe in the power of the name of Jesus. It's that no matter how you believe in the power of the name Jesus, God gets to determine where he, whether he gives you the authority to use his name. Y'all don't want to help me today. Everybody say in Jesus name, right? People say in Jesus name all the time. Hello? Because you believe that there is power in the name of Jesus. And this is a fact. However, just because his name has power does not mean God gave you the authority to use his name in that particular incident. People don't talk about that part. So then the name of Christ becomes some type of rabbit's foot that we use and we say it and declare it like a lucky charm that we can get whatever we want to get and whatever we think God may want. And then we're so befuddled at the times when it's not really working and it didn't really work and it didn't really do what I thought it was going to do. But I don't recall if you ever asked God if he gave you the authority in that instance to declare his name and his will. To use the name of a king is to say that you got papers. You've been given authority and position. And this is, this is the funny, this, this is the catch. Just because you believe in Jesus, you automatically assume you've been given authority to use his name. Do you know what kind of chaos that would be? What kind of, I mean, because everyone does not come into the knowledge of Christ at the same rate. You don't get saved and then, boom, you know everything that God wants when he wants it. But somehow you did not equate this to your ability to be able to declare things randomly. Now, you can look at your life and say there are some definite areas in need of improvement. There's some definite areas in my life where I need God to work. Hello, somebody. But you did not equate that to the idea that maybe he did not give you authority to use his name in a particular area because you're still growing. It just makes sense to me. You want to say in Jesus name like it's some kind of lucky charm. But baby, ain't nobody gave you no authority. Ain't nobody, ain't nobody came to see you, Ricky Bobby. Ain't nobody gave you no papers. Ain't nobody said, yeah, go ahead, use my name for whatever you want. No. Because it is obvious that your desires have not been changed by the spirit of God. And thus you do not get authority to use his name on whatever comes in your heart. You want to say in Jesus name for everything. Hello. But last time I checked, you got an attitude when God was doing something that you didn't agree with. How you get an attitude when God is doing something that you didn't agree with, but yet want to use his name on everything that you want, baby? You ain't even got no agreements with God. One of the prerequisites to using the name of Jesus as a steward of his authority is that whether you get what you want or not, you are perfectly contented. Not my will, but your will be done is the only way you can have the type of heart where you can use the name of God in stewardship and authority. Bunch of babies in here thinking they got power, ain't got no power. Just confused. 
running around shooting off your imaginary guns. And then when a real demon step up, you, you don't know what's going on. And I be sitting here befuddled because I be thinking, you can't see this demon? It's right beside you. You don't understand that this demonic spirit is influencing your thoughts and feelings? Don't, don't come to me with no in Jesus name stuff. Sit down, child. This is above you. Sit down. Hello? He be right there. It's okay, because I'm here to train you. You come, you come to the house, hello, Sister Lakeisha, and we talk about demonic warfare, spiritual warfare. We talk about what it seems and what it looks like. Now, looking back at this, what do you see? And we begin to go through what you should have saw. And then you go, oh, yeah, it's so clear. Why did I see it at that time? Because you are learning. Hello? Amen. Using the name of Jesus all willy-nilly. And as we saw on last week, the sons of Siva got beat down. One man beat up seven men. <laughs> Stripped them naked and called them running out. Easy peasy. Jesus we know, Paul we know, but who are you? You don't have no authority over us. But, but the name of Jesus is powerful. Yeah, but you don't have any authority over us. It's a tragic shame when you have stuff in Satan's kingdom that belong to him. And then you trying to be authoritative over him. You were just smoking crack the other day. You were just smoking weed the other day. You were just on the porn site the other day. You, you, now you want to tell Satan what to do? I know this, this puts, this puts a, 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 a whole kind of ratchet situation in how you are viewing things. Hello? Now you can call on the name of Jesus. And the Father will be there out of his mercy and grace. But it had nothing to do with you declaring it. Hello? You just cried out. Jesus, help me. Hello? Help me, Lord. Help me. Hello? And just like a good parent, I'll, I'll train you. Now, say, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Satan, the Lord rebuke you. All right. See how this is training. Trust and believe there was no bullet in your gun. Oh. <laughs> it's just your father standing big and strong right behind you. Standing big and strong right behind you. But you with your silly stuff start getting cocky. You know, I got this. Oh, Lord, you ain't got nothing. <laughs> so, Paul continued to move throughout um, Ephesus. I believe this was Ephesus, right? Is that where we were? Yeah. They were in Ephesus. There's a mighty move of God there. And the people of Ephesus, we're going to pick up from after, after the sons of Sceva, Siva, that's really how it's pronounced, but we like Sceva because it sounds skanky. The sons of Sceva. <laughs> but after they were chased out by the demon, and these were Jewish exorcists, 
chased out, you know, tail in hand, all right? Naked, beat up, embarrassed. Everybody in Ephesus started hearing and wanted to start turning in every type of form of witchcraft and um, idolatrous means that they had in their, in their possession. And uh, Sister Mia isn't here today, but she asked me a question about a certain music type I had never heard of. And I went to go look at it eventually, you know, because it takes me a minute to get to it, you know. And I, I couldn't believe how many methods there are for trying to achieve the will of God apart from God. To try to achieve the will of God apart from God or to try to achieve your will apart from God is witchcraft. No matter how you spin it. It doesn't matter if it's positive witchcraft. You know the shows that they got the good witches and the bad witches. It doesn't matter if it's noble. It's still witchcraft. And I couldn't believe how many methods there are that covertly sneak into the church. From what's that thing they was talking about? The sound that you play? That sound? Brain tuning, fusion, the tone, a certain tone you play. What's the name of it? Y'all told me the, the psychotherapist told you to use it. Brain waves, Z waves, some kind of, they want you to tap into the waves of your brain in order to help you sleep. And bilateral brain waves. And they want to use all of this to help you, you know, with stress levels and to help you with, with you know, I don't know what else. Eat, yeah, that stuff. And that's just one type. There are several types of music mystics. Right? Several types all over the place. And ultimately what they have in common is I need you to create something that can heal yourself. Restore yourself. And to me, it's foolish, as it is to God, that the created thing can create something that can be its source. That's like the mom having the baby and then the baby being the, the source of life for the mother. How you going to make something and then that thing become your source? And that's what idolatry is. Idolatry is the idea that you created a God, right? That it might serve you. Right? And what you created is a direct reflection of you. Right? Because it came from in you. You came up with something that you created in order to serve you. You came up with your life's vision in order for it to serve. Ah, you came up with your vision board in order for it to serve. You came up with your 10-step plan in order for it to serve. You came up with your list of what you're going to do in order for it to serve. You came up with your affirmations in order for it to serve. You came up with your manifestation list in order for it to serve. This is all running in the black, in the black world, okay? You create all these things that it might serve you. It's a reflection of you. Hello? 
Have you ever known a kid that had an imaginary friend? Did you ever have an imaginary friend? You know, some people had imaginary friends, all right? Now, it's real cute when the baby is a baby, right? And you're like, huh, you, look at you, using imagination. <laughs> but it stops becoming cute when the baby starts blaming the imaginary friend for things. My imaginary friend told me to. I didn't do it, my imaginary friend did it. And at some point, the parent has to begin to say that imaginary friend ain't real. If you don't address the idea that you have made this up in your head, your child would have some social problems, some reality problems, a little bit of schizophrenia. Y'all don't wanna help me today. We got a ton of believers living in schizophrenic realities. They have created a God that does not exist. They have created methods that do not exist. They have created systems that do not exist. And nobody wants to use the Bible and say, now look, now that, all that is fake. And they're trying to figure out how to bring their real, their they imagination world, what they've created into Christianity. No, you don't. You don't bring it over here. Well, it's not bad, it's good. I don't care what it is. It's fake. It's not in the kingdom of God. It's of the kingdom of Satan. Hello, somebody. It's a counterfeit to what God does. It's a mirror image of what God is actually doing on, on the opposite end. No, you can't have God and that. But I don't see no harm in it. That's exactly the point. The point is that you don't see any harm in it. Hello? I wonder, you got to be careful what you're standing on. So when they saw that the sons of Sceva were beat, beat up, everybody's like, look, you can have all this stuff, okay? Because... These demons is real. They know Peter. They know Jesus. I mean, they know Paul. They know Jesus. They, they don't know the rest of these folk. Look, I, I, I ain't got time for this. Yeah. They gave it all up. In doing this, for two years, Paul ministered, and all of Asia heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. The largest move of evangelism he ever had. Right? Huge. Over time, people began to turn, turn, all, turn in their, their, their idolatrous ways, their statues, their sculptures, their boards, their charms, their talises, their, you know. I don't want this. this is, I, ain't, I don't want no parts with the devil at all. Hello? Well, this thing was used to help give you good fertility. I don't want no parts of that. This thing was used to, Hello? We don't, we don't want to talk about that, do we? Hello? I was talking to Jewel. Can I use you as an example? I was talking to Jewel the other day regarding a doctor's report, and they were giving her percentages and numbers of things. And she called me in a tizzy. She said, because the doctors say I've got this percentage and that percentage and this percentage. And I said, I understand. She said, oh, Pastor, I'm, I'm so down bad because it's, Oh, the, the numbers don't look good with the percentages. And I said, Jewel, um, sweetheart, we live in two different kingdoms. The kingdom of God does not operate in percentages or statistics. The kingdom of God operates by the will of God. 
Now, now, now bear in mind, all of the earth operates by the will of God. The, his kingdom just are the ones that know it's by his will. All right. So when they give you statistics about life and death, hello, somebody, they are not in his kingdom. So to them, certain acts are random, not sovereign. Certain acts are by happenstance. Hello, somebody, not providential. Hello. So if I don't know that there is a, a sovereign will to things, then and I think that they might be random. I am stuck trying to calculate the probability of something. But when you are in the kingdom of God, come on, somebody, and you recognize that everything under the sun moves by his will, that it's not happenstance and it's not random. Both good things and bad things are by his sovereign will. I have no need for percentages. I have no need for statistics. They can only look at the aftermath and try to work backwards. I can start at the source and move forward. Y'all don't want to help me today. You can only look at that. You can only go back. You know what I mean? You can, what is it? Hindsight. Hello? You can only look at hindsight and try to figure out what your next steps could be. But as a kingdom citizen, I can go right to the source and move forward. Faith. Not by sight. I can go to the source. I can go right to the source. I can go right to the source. And nowadays, people are not learning how to go with God. Primarily because they've been taught how to have so much control over their own lives. Because trying to go with the will of God will inevitably mean that certain things will happen to you that you will despise and detest. And Satan makes profit off of you trying to statistically change the odds to your faith. Y'all don't want to help me today. Y'all don't want to help me. They make money. Off of you trying to take this talisman, you trying to take this concoction, you trying to do this crisscross your legs and do go this way and go that way, that you might change the sovereign will of God. Hello? Everybody wants to talk about the sovereignty of God when it comes to when you want a baby. Hello? But you don't talk about all the things of Satan you use in order to stop having a baby. Oh, you want to talk about how babies being born? Hello, somebody. is the will of God. And if, if I was barren, you would say, Pastor, now pray that the will of God might be done. Pray that he might bless you. Turn to him now. Oh, but when you don't want to have a child with your unmarried self. Come on, somebody. All of a sudden, you want to go over there and go to the little talisman. Can you make me a little device that I might rub in my uterus so I don't have a child? Can you give me a little pill that I might swallow that that I might be able to tell oh, you don't want to talk today. Well, because it's medicine. Because it's pharmaceuticals. 
The same Greek for sorcery. Pharmasukos. It means sorcery. You don't want to talk about this. Now, I'm not telling you not to take medicine. I'm not telling you not to strap it up, pop it up, pill it up, pin it up, tie it up. I don't know what your methods are. Hello, somebody. All I'm telling you is if you are doing this as a means to avoid the will of God. So you can slip a little, slide a little without having to suffer the, the will of God's consequences. Y'all don't want to help me today. You'd rather trust in this little talisman that you're going to put and cover yourself with so that I won't get any of the other negative energies that might come to me for participating in bad things. I don't know. What do you call a condom? Just so you could participate in something you ain't got no business participating in to keep bad things from happening to you as you do things you ain't got no business doing. And the truth of the matter is the bad things that you're trying to prevent is probably the thing that God wants to use to deliver you from the heart intent while you're trying to protect your flesh. What profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his soul? Oh, you didn't get the AIDS? Oh, but you lost your soul. Oh, you didn't get the herpes? Oh, but you lost your soul. Oh, you didn't get the chlamydia, but you lost a bit of soul. Oh, you didn't get the baby, but you lost a bit of soul. Now all you do is feel more confident in sinning against God. I don't have a problem with prophylactics. I find that they're very beneficial in a loving marriage led by the Spirit of God, period. What for do you need a prophylactic device, dear Christian, single and unmarried? Why don't you go ahead and tell Satan that I'm weak? Go ahead and tell them, you know, I'm not going to come and get it, but if you want me, you can have me. Go ahead and tell them. You that person. You got to play like you was raped. Oh, oh, oh. Like, I'm not going to just go out and do things, but just in case. So you won't make, uh, what's the, what is it when you, you advance towards somebody? You won't initiate it with your little flirty self, but you'll let Satan take it. And they'll want to cry that, oh, he overtook you. You flirted with him. You prepared for his arrival just in case. And then you want to act like he overtook you. No, sweetheart, you invited him. Mm. 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 You made room for him. You created space for her. I don't know, Pastor Satan got in it. Really? If you tell me I, you got a special room for me, I'm assuming it's okay for me to come over. You always have a special place in my heart. 
Well, it's all right for me to come on over then. I'll never forget you. I'll never not love you. Good, I'll keep that in mind when I make my rounds. I can't understand, Pastor, why I just can't seem to shake it. Now, this is the funny thing. I'm sorry. I'm, 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 I'm all off here. I love when singles come to see me and say, Pastor, I just can't get this person out of my mind. You know, they're still, it's still there. I say, oh, okay. You think that this is the definition of love. You think this is the definition of we're destined to be together. But because you can't stop obsessing. Because you can't move on, then it must be destiny. Oh, y'all got quiet? Because you can't seem to let it go, then you must be born this way. Oh, it got quiet. Since it always keeps coming up, then I guess I'm supposed to be gay. Since I dated other people, but I still can't get them out of my mind, then I guess it's supposed to be them. That tells me nothing. How do I know that you just don't have the same demon that you had that wanted to take them out the first time? Ooh, wait a minute. Oh, 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 did she say? Yes, she did. It don't tell me nothing. That you, you keep thinking about the same person over and over and over again. That's supposed to be proof. It's not. I ain't gonna tell you what the proof is because then you're gonna try to copy that. <laughs> Pastor, what's the proof? I ain't telling you. That's me in the Lord's business. Maybe when you grow up, he'll let you know. Woo! Shondo. Nobody mad. There you go. And if you don't want to be over there with him, you better stop being mad. Don't try to say, I, I'm not mad. I just don't understand. You a lie. You understand clearly. You just disagree. That's okay, because I'm going to show you why you disagree. All right, let's move on. <clears throat> so they started turning in all their stuff. I don't want this Ephesus, Diana. I don't want none of these other gods. I don't want none of these other methods. Now, hear me again, I have to keep reminding people what these believers are now saying is I'd rather have whatever God wants for me to have. And I won't try to manipulate anything. All right. Come what may. Let God be God. That's what they're saying. I'm not going to try to use other methods to gain what I want. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to cuss somebody out. I'm going to accept whatever the will of God is. When you're able to do this, you have reached some levels of maturity because every child has a temper tantrum when they can't get their way. They cry, they might fall out. The severity of the temper tantrum is varies, but they still have a problem. It takes a maturity of the adult to recognize, yeah, that's not really what I wanted, but eh, what are you going to do? Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I have to keep reminding believers 
that faith is not about trying to get things your way. It's not about trying to get things good. It's not trying to get the blessings. Faith is about trusting God that he is using your life however he wants to use it. Whether you are up, whether you are down, whether you've got money, whether you don't, whether you're single, whether you're married. This is the will that you have for my life. In your kingdom, I recognize you reign. See how you have to keep, I have to keep un unwrapping this thing. You reign. You reign. I'm but a humble servant. There are things that in my life I don't touch because I'm too biased. <laughs> I am. I give it to somebody else to decide for me because I am too biased. I'm afraid I might sway it in my favor. So that's how I'd be like, no, 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 no. You, whatever you think. Whether my decision will be good or bad, I don't want to develop the type of heart that says I, ha my, my, I have to passionately try to get everything to go in a certain direction. You know? You're, you're, you're so uh, passionate, you say, or um, uh, uh, headstrong, sure, confident. I don't know what you call it. But most of the time, it's just you trying to get everything to go in the way that you think it should go. Whether it's your life or somebody else's. I got to help you because this is bad for you. Listen, listen very carefully. Pastor helps people all the time. And she can see what is bad for them all the time. But there's a point that I always stop. Not knowing when to stop trying to press your will on a situation is a sign of immaturity. There's a point in every situation where it could go either way that you begin to see it's going a certain way. What you do at that juncture, is it reveals who you are. What you feel at that juncture, the thoughts that come up, oh, you don't want to help me. Hello, somebody. The fears that begin to arise. This starts to show who you really are when it looks like the whole thing is tilting in a direction you don't want it to go. Where you are with God, where you are in your faith, in your faithfulness, in your trust, where you are in being delivered from a controlling spirit, a Jezebel, a manipulation, right when this thing starts to tip, what comes out of you? What thoughts and feelings begin to bubble up to the surface? That's why he let it in his sovereignty go in that direction. It's going to go south the way you don't want it to go for two reasons, one or two reasons. One, to show you the mess that is in your heart. So you can stop being so cocky. You can start asking for some help. Hello, you can stop being so self-righteous. Come on now. Hello, is this what came out of you when it started going? See, that's not right. Ooh, that's your blessings, right? Reason number two, God allows things to go south, right? In a way you don't want, because he's sovereign, it's, all, it's not random, right? 
And so as it starts to tilt, hello, somebody, and you look inside, ain't nothing nasty coming out, right? But he gets the glory as other people begin to see this thing tilt south. And you keep saying, glory, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, God. Oh, glory to your name. And people are like, how do you do this? How is God? It's the spirit of God in me. And you're like, oh, this is beautiful. I want the kind of spirit of God in me that when things are going south, I can have the same type of disposition, heart, and outlook that you have. Now you're testifying of the power of the kingdom of God. So now he allowed the thing to go south that you might testify about the grace of God's kingdom. I'll say it again. He allowed the thing to go south that you might testify of the favor in God's kingdom, of the ability to make hard things easy in God's kingdom, of the grace in God's kingdom. What's available to you when things go really, really bad? So when things go really, really bad, I can survive? Absolutely. When things go really, really bad, I can, I can actually not cuss nobody out? Absolutely. I can actually not take two steps back? Absolutely. I can actually not quit, not run? Absolutely. When things go bad, I can absolutely. This is the grace of the kingdom of God. And other saints are encouraged all over the place. I'm going to show it to you in the scriptures. Hello? This is the story of Paul, if you wanted to know, over the next couple of chapters. People are encouraged over how things went south for him. And he was able to carry it with such grace, with such joy. So other believers, every church he visited was encouraged as they saw him suffer but saw the power of God increase as they saw him go through trials, but saw his heart and mind become more jubilant, more testifying, more, more, you know, just overall, just better. How are you getting worse? But everything about you on the inside seems to be getting better. Man, that's God's power. Absolutely. I'm living beneath my privilege. You are. See, this is the other reason why you might be tempted and tested when things go south. But the first is to reveal what comes out of you. Whether you say it out loud, out loud you felt it. And some of you, you thought so many things that you were disgusted by the amount of thoughts that you had when things don't go the way you, who, is it that me? That is you, baby girl. That's you, son. That is you, baby boy. That's, that's, that's you. Now, Satan will maximize that, but he cannot create that in you. He will use it and increase it, but he can't create it in you. Hello? It's the truth. Amen. <laughs> so they started, they started turning in all their stuff. Like, I don't know. This, this spiritual stuff is real. All right. I, I, need to, I need to get rid of this stuff. Because of this, 
um, uh, the, the silversmiths and craftsmen in the city of Ephesus were going broke. Ephesus was the guardian city, the, 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 the city that was known to uh, um, uh, protect the worship of the goddess Diana. All right. Diana was worshipped all across the world. All right. Zeus's daughter. All right. Okay. Ha right. Anyway, brother, daughter, the sister, uh, they, they related. All right. <laughs> like she came out, they were born out of his mouth or something. I don't, anyway, let's, nevertheless. All right. Um, but she was worshipped everywhere. And Ephesus was the city where worshipping that particular goddess was protected. It was, it was, it was the place people go for that. All right, the, the guardian temple of the, the guard, the temple guard, that's what it is, the temple guard for Diana. So you can imagine that commerce in building trinkets and sculptures and images of Diana was high, because anybody that worshiped this goddess would have to get their authentic sculptures from Ephesus, right? So she was a goddess of love and all these types of things and women and blah, 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 blah. Right, and it was a big deal. So the silversmiths and those who worked in the crafts of making and building things that could help people attain what they wanted in life. Methods, workshops, classes, master classes. Hello, somebody. To help you attain the things that you want in life. Hustle seminars and hello, somebody. Hello, get woke projects and get that bag uh, Zoom meetings. And y'all seen them on the Instagram. These people specialize in how to help you get what you think you need for your life. That's why Paul says, I know nothing but the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I don't want to specialize in nothing else but that. But no, 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 you need other stuff besides Jesus. That's how they lure you. Yeah. I mean, I believe in God too, but you need other stuff. Duh. Now, bear in mind, Christ said, when tempted to, to make stones into bread, I do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What he says is in the kingdom, even life itself is not caused or propitiated through things that I do. Yeah. It's done through things that God says. Mm, but the world will make you feel like in order to live, you better eat this bread. <laughs> now, every kingdom citizen knows that you're living by God's sovereign decree. connecting your life is because God said so but they'll tell you no it's because you're vegan no it's because you're doing a keto diet the keto the keto is it the keto is, is what is doing it that's giving you your health no it's because you align your energies your chakras 
It's because every night you, you listen to the, the bilateral music that helps your brain to decompress and that helps your cells to regenerate and helps your, your stress levels to go down. And these people are making a ton of money. Because you think that your life will be made better with the right lotion. So you, you got to take this lotion with the CBD infused and you got to rub that into your joints and that will... No, 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 you, you could really have a better life if you just pop, just take this pill, and then everything about what you got going on, it, it can be solved in this one pill. Then you'll find that your energy levels increase, and this, that, and the other. How many people ever went to the doctor and they couldn't find nothing wrong, but you know something was wrong? Hmm? But you just go ahead and you buy the next talisman. You go ahead and schedule your, your meeting. Now what, tell me, tell me what ails you. Well, it just seems like I can't seem to get my mind together. Mm. You know, we've got a concoction for that. Here, let me see here. Again, I am not against medication. I'm on several. Hello, somebody. But I can tell you right now, it's not the medicine. It's not the medicine. Come on, somebody. It's not the medicine that is keeping me up. You don't want to. I felt the medicine not work. Come on, somebody. I know it's not the medicine keeping me up. The medicine is my due diligence so that other people could understand, oh, she probably can still heal from God as I continue to hear from God. Because people have a way of thinking, oh, it must be the grief. It ain't the grief. That is a demonic spirit, and you are wrong. Sit on down. It ain't, it's not the bread. It's not the pill. It's not the 10-step program. None of it. It's the will of God. And people are making a ton of money over trying to convince you, come to this workshop and this seminar, and this will definitely, this will do it. This will help to put the odds in your favor. I don't need any odds in my favor. What I need is a tight relationship with God so that when things go awry, and they will, that I will be able to follow him closely and be able to accept the good and bad of whatever's getting ready to happen and not lose faith or faithfulness. When my marriage goes south, come on somebody, I don't necessarily need a whole bunch of 10 steps programs on how to actually get my marriage to work. You know, well, you got to make sure that as a wife, you cook the meals and as a husband, you do go, you'll get the paycheck and you guys, mm -mm, what I really need is a tight enough relationship with God so that when things go south, and they do, I will still maintain growth in my Savior. I will still maintain growth in my family. I will still maintain love. I need to work on my relationship with God more than I need to work on my relationship with you. Come on and tell them the truth. Don't get me wrong, I'm a fan of, of counseling. I'm a fan of testimonies. And those things are needed. Right? But you're about to miss out 
on first things first. You end up putting your faith in somebody else's testimony. That's not how this works. If you did it for them, you can do it for me. Mm, he can, but that don't mean he will. Are you close enough to know what he wants for your life? A great out, uh, uh, conflict arose because the, the, the silversmiths got all the people together that were in the creative industry. And they got them all together to say, we need to do something about Paul. And they gathered up some of Paul's travel companions. And they brought them to the, 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 the city meeting area. And a great mob. And was this organized? And nobody really knew what they were arguing about. They just knew that something was wrong. And some people thought it was one thing. Another thing was just, just, a, just a riot going on, okay? All right? With Paul's companions in the middle. When Paul hears about how his, his travel companions were taken to this, this, this auditorium to, to just, I mean, beat the snot out of these guys. Paul says, I got to get there, right? I'm on my way. The, the commanders and some like police officers that are friends with Paul beg Paul, Paul, please don't go there. And he doesn't go. Come to find out in the midst of this, this, this outbreak, this, this, this riot, the Jews put forth a man by the name of Alexander. Let's go there in Acts. Acts uh, chapter 19. Verse, thank you, thank you guys. Verse 33. And they drew Alexander out of the multitude, the Jews putting him forward, and Alexander motioned with his hand and wanted to make a defense, make, wanted to make his defense to the people. That word defense, you're gonna love this, is apologia, all right? To be an apologist. Alexander said, hey, hey, I run, I'll let, me, let me defend myself. But when they found out that he was a Jew, all with one voice, they cried out for two hours, great is Diana of the Ephesians. Okay, this, this statement is loaded here, okay? We find out later, all right, that, so in, in essence, the craftsmen, the people in the, in the industry incited a mob against Paul's friends and travel companions, Gaius, Aristarchus, and Macedonians. I mean, that's literally his name, all right? There's a Macedonia, but this guy's name is a Macedonian. All right? And they snatched them, and the mob was just beating them and wanted to, was enraged against these people. All right? It's, and it's chaos. All right? There's no one leader. It's just mad chaos, like civil rights riots. Just everybody's just getting everybody. All right? Um, so the Jews push Alexander forward. And like, you say something, Alexander. Defend it. Now, apparently... The situation with Alexander is unique, all right? We find out in Timothy, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, that Paul had some situations with Alexander. So this is around 53, 57 AD. Paul writes Timothy, the letters to Timothy, the first letter and the second letter to Timothy, about one of the statements he talks about Alexander, all right? This is about five to seven years later, okay? And one of the things he says about Alexander in 1 Timothy 1 and 20, you can write it in your notes. He says, Timothy, this charge I commend to you, commit to you uh, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, 
that you may wage the good warfare. This is 1 Timothy 1 and 20. Paul is writing to Timothy sometime during his stay in Macedonia after this event that we're looking at in Acts. Okay. He writes to Timothy. He says, I want to encourage you to wage the good warfare. Having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck, of whom are Arminius are, are and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. That's Alexander, he suffered shipwreck? That they might learn not to blaspheme. What does it mean to blaspheme? Uh, yeah, you want to know, do I, have I done it? Blaspheme, to blaspheme means to speak irreverently, irreverently about God or sacred things. To speak without any reverence about God or sacred things. You know, you're all in your emotions. Saying all kinds of stuff. Feeling all kinds of things. Some of it comes from a place of ignorance and some of it just comes because you are angry and bitter. And since you have a habit of doing whatever you want to do when your emotions rile up, you don't even have a boundary when it comes to God and the things of God. Go ahead and take that beating. Go ahead. God says, so I turn him over to Satan. Now, what could you possibly think being turned over to Satan looks like? Could it look like that you feel like you're about to go crazy? Oh, could it look like you don't have any self-control over your thoughts or feelings? I don't know if you've ever been um, in prison or in bondage by someone or under the control of someone. But anybody got any siblings? And your sibling ever do, stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. Hello, somebody. Yeah. Use you to beat you up. Use you to take you down. Use you to tear you apart. Use you to rip up your life. Use you to rest up everything you got going on. Come on, stop hitting yourself. This is a tormenting spirit that God has turned you over. Because you decided to speak irreverently regarding God and the things of God. When your pastor tell you to shut up, no, you got to keep talking. Because you know so much, don't you? You see so much. Hello, somebody. You see what everybody else do wrong. You see, oh, you got eyes and discernment. And, 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 and. and all of this that you're able to see has not changed the condition of your heart. You're still dealing with the same issues. Now you got more ammunition to hit other people. And no self-control. So what we're going to do, we're going to go ahead and just let Satan. That's what you want to be? Go ahead. 
I just, I just can't. I don't want to do it. I just forget everything. Forget all the stuff. Forget the world. Forget everything. I'm tired of this. And I'm just, just, I'm just sad. And then God ain't even trying to, I mean, maybe trying to, I mean, he ain't even trying to help me. I mean, he can see I'm down here struggling. You can, oh. And then when I come and tell you, well, go ahead and just die. What? Go ahead and just go crazy. What? No, no, no. You want to be over here with him? Well, go ahead and leave. Go ahead and leave the church. No, 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 no. You're done. No, no. Let's follow this since you want to be over here with him. Hello, somebody. Speaking all irreverently about the things of God. Hello, somebody. To which you don't even know nothing about. Let's go ahead and go on over there with him. How you going to tell me something like that? He told you the same thing. You ain't fussing at him. Satan told you the exact same thing, but you're mad at me and not him. Oh, you done picked your side, baby. You done picked your side. He told you to go crazy. He told you you might be going crazy. He told you you can't control yourself. He told you you don't know what you're going to do. He told you all these things, but you ain't mad at him. Oh, no, you got the audacity to be mad at God and the things of God. You got the wherewithal to get an attitude with the people of God. So when I say, go on about your business, leave me alone. What? You ain't on my side anyway. You ain't over here with me and God. So go on over there with your master. The one who can speak to you and incite emotion and feelings. Go ahead with him, the one that can incite a mob against you. Go ahead. It says you got the degrees and all. In um, 2 Timothy 4.14, is that Alexander the coppersmith did much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. Did Paul just say this? Not sweet, loving Paul. Did Paul say, may the Lord give you what you deserve? Oh, y'all. Now, pastor, you can't say nothing like that. No, I say, now, God ain't going to give. I pray that God won't give you exactly what you deserve. I pray he will be merciful and kind to you. Paul flat out said, no, he need to get everything. He need to get it all. I don't know what this man did to Paul. But Paul is mad. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also, watch this, must be aware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. Paul sends out a warning. To people that resist the word of God from the people of God. You must beware of them. He said you must be greatly aware of them. Don't try to make them your friend. Don't try to understand what they come. Well, Pastor, I just think that sometimes we as people shut up. Because they are resisting the word of God. And you about to get taken under too. What are you standing on? From these two scriptures... 
these three, the one in Acts, and the letters to Timothy, Timothy, we can pretty much tell some, some things, okay, about Alexander. One, he was a coppersmith. So the Jews probably pushed him up in order to say, speak, because you were in the same industry as them. Speak on our behalf. So, okay. But, but, but Alexander, you weren't snatched up with Aristias and Gaius and Macedonia. What? If you so close to Paul, hello, somebody, then why didn't they snatch you up also? Shouldn't you also be snatched up by the mob since you're a believer of the way? Right? You, you walking in the same thing? And then the Jews put you forward. Now, the Jews are here because they don't like Paul's ministry either. Right? Paul, you over here telling tell all the, the Israelites to be Christians, to follow after Jesus. No, we're not down for that. And now the industry people, they mad at you because you're messing with their money. Right? So now the Jews is like, we, we with y'all. Take down Paul. So they push forward someone that they think will fit their agenda as a Jew and will be heard because he also is in the industry. You got to be careful what you're standing on. Because some of you are so used to seeing it from everybody's perspective, but you have a shoddy foundation. You're so used to seeing it from their view. You so used, cause you know, I was gay and I, you know, I did to do my dirt, you know, and I used to, I had some drinks and I used to, you know, smoke the weeds and I used to you know, and I used to go clubbing. And you're really good at seeing everybody's perspective and that might be beneficial to the kingdom. However, if your foundation is not rock solid, you don't want to help me today. If you are, cause now, now watch when, uh, uh, what's his name? Alexander went to raise his hand to speak. God didn't let him speak. This seat of defending my gospel are not for those who are wishy-washy. The honor of defending me in the midst of a multitude is not for those who have a shaky foundation. He never got a chance to speak. As a matter of fact, they shouted about their false god over him for two hours. You want to talk about no authority? Zero authority. Zip, zilch, nada. Guys, let me speak. And, you know, no and I'm sure this is what I would think, okay? Alexander, this is me looking at the story with some, some ad-libs here. You know, I see it from both perspectives, you know what I'm saying? You know, I feel the coppersmith, you know, and I, you know, that Paul situation, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I believe that Jesus could very well be the Messiah, but you know, there's a time and place for everything, and that's and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and that's just how, you know, that's church, and that's different than these other people in the industry, you know, and blah, 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 and you're just so busy politicking. So busy trying to work both sides. Hello, somebody. So busy trying to show that you can, you can understand with them and understand with them. You, you were Jew, too, and then, and then you were Christian, too, and, and then you were coppersmith, too. And you're so good. And then all of a sudden, this thing gets the best of you. Hello, somebody. And now it becomes more obvious that you are really on one. You are overtaken 
by his side because you chose not to stand on the true side. Your, 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 your ability to see so many perspectives has made you fall. You got no principles, no foundation. So good, trying, so busy trying to be a, a you know, a, a, what's the word? A, you know, I, I see everybody, you know. It's all love. You know, you know, love is love, you know what I'm saying? You know, truth is truth, you know what I'm saying? And you're so good at that, that you fall. One thing people love and hate about me is my principles. Once I established a strong pillar in my life, you cannot tear it down. Amen. Pastor, you should just let... <laughs> no. Pastor, you always just so... You should just go ahead and... <laughs> no. You don't like when people have a strong stance. Because when they have a strong stance against you, you can't control them. People don't like that. So they think I try to tear you down. Since they can't get in with you, they try to get in with everybody you got influence over. Well, you know the pastor, she sometimes, and I heard she sometimes, sometimes, and sometimes, sometimes, blah, 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 blah. Is you mad because I have standards? Is you mad? Is you mad because I have standards? I mean, she's, that's easy for her to say because, you know, I mean, I, mean, I mean, look at what she got. Look at what I got. Yeah, Pastor, you need to break this down because everybody ain't got what you got. You know, that's what you're saying that because you come from a place of, come from a place. Baby, what I'm telling you to stand on is how I got to this place. Hello, somebody. But you're going to use where you see me and say that somehow now what I'm telling you, telling other people, is irrelevant. Blasphemy. They incited this riot. Wouldn't let Alexander speak. He was in too good with the Jews. In too good with the coppersmiths and the, the, the industry. <laughs> and wasn't in good enough with God and the disciples. I don't see Alexander's name come back up after them two letters to Timothy. Did he get turned over to Satan and that was it? Like what happened next? Did, he, did, he, did, it, did it work? <laughs> he get turned over to Satan and be like, oh. I have an epiphany. I see God now. I repent. We don't even know. But Paul wrote horribly about him. <laughs> Hello? He told Timothy, he said, Timothy, I charge you that you may fulfill the prophecies people spoke of you, that you may wage the good warfare. Timothy didn't really fight nobody. He didn't take no swords and bows and arrows. The fight in the kingdom 
is in words. Spirit. That's why blasphemy, y'all don't want to help me today. Because it seems like just saying something bad about God and the things of God, you know, a little irreverently, isn't, isn't a big deal. But when the warfare is fought with words, okay, let's, let's, let's look at words. Okay, according to Genesis, everything was made by what? The word of God. All right? Okay. Relationships are generated through communication. Right? Paychecks are generated through communication. Right? Everything is done through words. How you express yourself. What can't be seen is brought into the scene through words. Go to the doctor, how do you feel? Words. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What you're feeling on the inside, you want to tell somebody? Words. Some form of communication, sign language, writing it down, it has to be words. Does this make sense? When it comes to the things of God, the weapons of this warfare are not carnal, but are mighty and good. But what are the weapons? Words. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God is the only weapon the rest are defensive warfare is waged through words because words according to God's infinite wisdom of creation has used to perpetuate created things words are used to perpetuate created things He used words to establish it, and words are used to, to perpetuate it, to keep it moving, to keep it going, right? Everything, words. A person that doesn't have a bridle on his tongue, that doesn't know when to shut up, hello? It's dangerous because God created the system of creation to be affected by words. I can say something with my mouth and it generates an image in your head and a feeling in your heart. Feelings in your heart create actions. Thoughts, feelings in your heart create thoughts and thoughts create actions. So thus, if I say something and it creates a feeling and that feeling creates a thought and that thought turns into action, then you have just manifested what I said. On Thursday night, we had a Discipleship class, and there were words said that, in my opinion, were too harsh for Sister Lakeisha. Too much. And some of you said, and just ambivalent to the idea, no, it's not too much. So let's peel back this, 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 this facade of flesh. Let's look at the spiritual world. You say words 
that create a feeling in Sister Lakeisha. Right? Right? Feelings that you don't, she didn't do good. She's not good. She doesn't do well. You didn't say these things as correction. You said them with animosity, which that means the spirit behind it is not even godly. It's Yuli. It's all you. How you feel, what you don't like, your past experiences, your life, your, your hurts, your offenses. It's all coming from all the things that offended you. It's not coming from God. All right? So the spirit of this is yours. All right? And you're going to take your words of your spirit of what you don't like, and you're going to say them to her or to other people. Now, those words do exactly what you wanted it to do. You wanted her to feel bad about the things that she did not do correctly. Because that's the spirit it came from, because you felt bad about the things that she did to you that you didn't feel were correct. Right? That was the whole shebang. So then you say these words to get her to feel bad. We all have a wonderful service. Everybody's feeling good. Everybody leaves. Oh, it's a kumbaya moment. Lakeisha is now stuck with these words. What she knows in her mind is not helping what she feels in her heart because the words went to her heart, not just her mind. So now I need help getting the words somebody said out of my heart because I am inclined to now start manifesting what they said. I'm not doing a good job. Maybe I should quit. I don't do it right. Maybe I need to leave it alone. Maybe I need to take a break. Maybe I can't get it right. Maybe I'm not the one. And now all of a sudden she wants to manifest the very things that your word said. Now I'm just using this one example, but this has happened multiple times by multiple people. Right? So what you going to do? Mr. and Mrs. Word Giver, did your apology make her not want to quit? Nope. Oh. So you got power to tear things down. But you have no authority given by God to build it up. So you can't be speaking for God. When I tear you down, and then I come back and speak to you, how do you feel? Huh? 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 Tell the truth and shame the devil. I will tear you down, and then I will spend time rebuilding you back up, and you feel better. When sister such and such and brother such and such tear you down, they can say sorry all they want. You still carrying around those words. And some of you are such control freaks, the fact that I can make you feel better makes you uneasy. You don't trust it because you want to be independent and make yourself feel better only. You can't be helping me. I need to help myself. I don't want to rely on you. Baby, everybody relies on somebody. So now you got to reject that my words could even work because you want to be independent. That's a whole other category. But for the most part, you feel better. Why is that? Because I've been given power by God to have a two-edged sword. To cut going in and cut coming out. So where does Lakeisha go? To her pastor. That's been anointed in her life to take those words 
that someone planted in her heart before, and I have to encourage her, before you manifest, before you start doing what they planted, why don't you just let me have that? You ain't even got to keep that. You ain't even got to have that in your heart. You mean tell me I ain't got to carry it? You ain't even got to carry it. But it feels like since it was mine that it was given to me, I can, baby, I can take that from you if you like. You ain't even got to hold on to that. You ain't got to go in that direction. You ain't got to feel like that. Here is really the truth. Here is how you should feel. Here is how you should look at it. And through a multitude of words. We plant new seeds that she might manifest a different word. And she's still singing on the praise and worship team. She's still handling office and administration. She's still got whatever else she's dealing with in life. But this one thing, you did not manifest that seed from Satan. It's a battle of words. It's a warfare of words of what can I plant in you to get you to do. And some of you get stuff planted in you and it goes unchecked. And the only person checking it is you. You are a terrible person to check, be the only one to check the stuff that comes in. You will grow just about anything. You should be growing weeds. Wouldn't it be awesome if you had the kind of soil that never grew a weed? It doesn't exist. Soil functions the way soil is supposed to function. It's the groundskeeper. It's the vine dresser. Y'all don't want to help me today. That's what makes the difference. Because the heart is going to try to produce anything and everything because that's how it functions. Don't feel bad that you tried to do this. You tried to commit suicide. That ain't the issue. The issue is that you don't have a good vine dresser. Hello? It's one thing to think about wanting to die. It's another thing to want to be able to act like you want, like going toward the actions. All right, it's another thing to actually try it. Most sheep in this house call me when they think about suicide, when they want to die. Now, my methods of pulling up weeds may be different than what you think I should use. I might rip it out. I might starve it out. But either way, it's not going to stay. Hello, somebody. I might inject something in there you don't even know I put in there. Just put that in there. You won't even watch it. Watch this. Watch this. Bloop, bloop. See, it died. I knew it. 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 Come back. How that week doing? Dead. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. I thought it. <laughs> something happened right on the spot. You can feel the spirit of God. Pull that thing out of your heart. Other things, I just drop something down and keep moving. You ain't even do nothing about me having suicidal thoughts. Check it again. Uh-oh. Where'd it, where'd it go? You're welcome. <laughs> Next. <laughs> You have to know how God works. But your heart is going to try to produce words that people sow. And unfortunately, some people blaspheme. That means they resist and fight against the word of God that has been sown. 
They don't act reverent of the word of God that has been sown. That's why pride is so, it always comes before the fall. Because when God is trying to assist you to keep you up, your pride won't let you receive. Hello, somebody. The, the weed killer, you don't want to help me today. And a fall is imminent. He says, Timothy, wage a good warfare. What did Timothy use? Words. What did Alexander want to use? Words. And they said, shut up. We don't want your words. God said, shut up. You ain't giving them words. You backbiting, two-faced. And I'm, I'm just, I'm, I, it, 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 from what we can see with all the scriptures about Alexander, he was too even. He was too, everything's good, everything's love, everything is a, is a common, we can find a common ground for everything. Shut up. No, we can't. That's one of the things people love and hate about me. Pastor can be very matter of fact, and she don't care what nobody else say. Exactly. What do we say on Thursday? This is the answer. <sighs> you have the audacity to say that you're giving the answer. I do. At the end of the night, did it work? There you go. So, if the facto, the Lord honored what I said. That means somebody gets authority by God with words, and someone doesn't. If you can't repair, then the words you shared were not from God. It's a cutting that has to happen in anybody's life. But you have to be given authority by God for that. I get judged for being mean to my sheep all the time by my family members. See, I don't know how the people go to her church because I wouldn't even, I'm like, you don't even know these people, okay? You don't even hear how they talk to me sometimes. <laughs> but nevertheless, there's an anointing to cut to build, to tear down, to, 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 to restore. There's an anointing for it. No, you talking to somebody like that is going to generate more strife. You trying to talk to another member like you, me, is not going to go well. Never does. It's a war of words. Blasphemy was such a sin because you speak against the very thing that God uses to establish life on earth. I just said, all I said was the fact that you said it has now escalated the problem. Right? Yeah. Thinking it is one thing. Now you done said it. Now you got multiple problems. Well, that just means I should, should I never say nothing negative? No. It means you need clearance. In the conversation, you had to be cleared to say something that you knew was wrong. I had to say, I will cover it, which means I took full responsibility of any poison you might say that I might be able by the Spirit of God to heal the individual that took in that poison, and we did. That way you can get the poison out of you, and if it go to anybody else, we can take care of that poison too. You've got to be skilled by God and given authority by God to do that. Yeah. That's why your lemon squeezes together don't generate nothing. You go talking to each other, well, you hurt me and I was offended by this, and y'all still dealing with that. From that conversation where you hurt one another. Every time something like it comes up, you think about that. That's because you have no authority, no power. You want some in that area? Pray. Fast. 
be anointed by the spirit of God. And then you too could have a disagreement with someone and you guys be stronger and better for it rather than worse, constantly carrying around this kind of thing you keep looking side eye at. Your side eye is a, is a consequence of your own irreverence of God. I'll say that again. The fact that you look at somebody side eye is a consequence of your irreverence with the father. He didn't look at Judas side eye. And it was Judas. And he was God. A true believer says, I don't want to look at anyone's side eye. Does anybody, we all understand what the side eye phrase means? Yeah. Okay, great. All right. Father, help me. I can't stay like this. I can't stay anticipating their wrongdoing. I can't stay anticipating their evilness or anticipate. Do you know you cannot live scared? God is trying to free you from always looking over your shoulder. Worrying about what somebody's going to do to you next. You can't live like that. But you was raising them streets. So now you think that's the only way to live. The kingdom does not operate like that. What you think about a man that's always doing this? What you done did? And why are you so scary? Either you did something or you real punkish. But a man that can walk through a room of his enemies, straightforward, not even flinching, you can get it. Not, even, not looking over his shoulder. Oh, my head on a swivel. For what? What is wrong with you? I don't think your head was designed to be on a swivel. You can talk to my doctor. I got scoliosis. It's not. It's not designed. It's not designed to be on a swivel. I joke her stiff up on you real quick. Stop swiveling me. It's not designed for that. That's why you got a peripheral. And it stops. That's it. This is how far you can turn your head. That's it. That you might walk boldly in Christ. But all this anxiety, you worried about what somebody's saying about you, how they're going to do you, what they're going to treat you next, when they're going to see that you ain't designed to live like that. The Spirit of God trying to give you freedom. And you over here trying to get them streets, you know, and them talismans you got from the streets to go coincide with the kingdom. Or I should say for some of y'all, them countries, because some of y'all act like y'all ain't no streets. You were straight from the country. Funny. Sheena. <laughs> that is not. You was, you was a lie. No. No. They may have some things, but on country streets, it'd be one or two crackheads. Not 10,000. Why am I having this debate with y'all? I'm, I'm just Sunday morning. I'm a... Quit opposing me. They're not just as bad. Really? I can't tell. I mean, we can, we can do a great experiment. Oh, okay. 
Because, I mean, I, some of y'all swore y'all was from the streets or that the country streets was just as bad as the uh, street streets. But if I do recall, we took an evangelism outreach down to the streets of downtown Atlanta, and more than half of y'all stayed in the van when we were giving out food to the homeless. So don't tell me that them country streets is just like the city streets with your scary selves. Me and Stefan, we out here just, we're going to do it ourselves. We're going to be, we're going to walk. You know, Pastor, that person, he said, she said she had AIDS. You just hugging all on her. What am I supposed to do? Hey, baby, how you doing? May the Lord bless you. You is crazy. Oh, you from the streets. Oh, okay. The streets is the same. Whether you believe it or not, it was obvious in our little bubble that those raised in the country did not even feel that they were equipped to go out there in them streets. Am I right, Janiya? Well, I'm telling you what happened. Unfold your arm. Stop rocking. In the van. It was like, Pastor, oh, geez, this, is, this, is, this is above us. Above. Me, Daddy, Stefan, Danielle, Monifa. Everybody else is in the van. We, we looking for homeless people. Just, hey, what the fuck? Y'all was going to all the alleys. They all in the van. <laughs> Just so we know. Just so we know. That's how Satan gets y'all. Right there. That's how I get you. He convinced you that you are more equipped than you really are. That you can handle more than you can really handle. He's equated that five pounds to, to 50 pounds. Oh, I could did this. I could lift this too. No, you can't. Uh-huh. It's the same, same, same. <laughs> it's not. It's not the same. Okay. Now, it would seem very obvious that if you have not experienced the other, that you should not be so confident to say that they are the same. Hello, somebody. But an ignorant child will tout in pride that from my standpoint, it looks the same. It looks the same. Baby, if I picked up 100 pounds, I can also, I know for a fact I can pick up five. But if you've never picked up 100 and you only pick up five, you cannot tell me that it looks the same. Because you've never seen a, a dumbbell. Sometimes the, the, the size increase is very minimal in comparison to the weight increase. So you're judging it based off of how it looks, but not based off of experience. And it made me slightly indignant in this house. Get yourselves together. You ain't lived in the streets. Now, now true, true am I, all right? There's a part of my life that I, I, I was, me and my family, we was, we, we was SWATs Atlanta. Ashby Road. Okay? All right? Down there. That was my, that's where I went to school. That's where I lived. 
Atlanta, baby. The chocolate city. Huh? Before the Olympics cleaned everything up. It's before 98, babe. Hello? Major metropolitan city. Not Podunk, Fodunk in Midwest. Okay? The city matters of the state. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Keep, keep playing with me with your little prideful self. I'm trying to show you something. I didn't have to live by street rules to be very familiar with the streets. And I was. I didn't live like that. But that's where I lived. That's where I was raised for a large portion of my life. I wasn't thugging nothing. What I look like? I'm a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> By that education, I'm not gonna be out here thotting and buying now. That's just... everybody gotta make choices. <laughs> I made my choices in the streets. I'm gonna be on this side. Hey, I was gonna say you try to keep. I was trying to keep nerd. I'm cool. Yeah, girl. <laughs> That's my, that's my thing. <laughs> What's the alternative? Paul and Ratchet? Uh-uh. <laughs> In jail? Oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. My mama killed me. <laughs> all right? It's all right. Let me just move on. But y'all need to watch our little prideful selves. This is, learn this lesson, because it's true. Seeing it is not the same as living it. Living in the city is not the same as visiting the city. Being near the city is not the same. And some of you play too much with people that lived in it because you think they like you. Hello? Yeah. <laughs> like that time, I took an evangelistic team in Athens to the most dangerous triangle in Athens, Georgia. <laughs> Intercessory prayer teams had to go marching and praying around this dangerous triangle. Now, I'm from southwest Atlanta. So if you put me on a dangerous triangle in Athens, Georgia, I mean, I just walk out there like, where are everybody at? Where are the dangerous people? Oh, the dangerous person got a house? <laughs> Is that them sitting on their porch? <laughs> Ain't this cute? Well, we take a team, you know, we have been working on evangelism, you know, for a couple of weeks, and then we take a team out there, and I'm leading this team, and, and I pair them up, you know, you go two by two, you know, talking to different people in the community, you know. And this is not like the city, you know, I, I, took, some, I took a group to Philadelphia once, uh, you know, <laughs> and, you know, when you go to the major cities, there's people everywhere. All right. Everywhere. All right. We are in the, we are in the danger, most danger triangle in Athens, Georgia. And it's like you looking for people like, hey, oh, oh, let me go try to meet them over there on the other side. Like you got to try to like get your path to meet their path because <laughs> nevertheless, two by twos, go knock on some doors in the projects the most dangerous street in Athens and try to, you know, 
evangelize, witness, and pray for people. One of the evangelistic team members comes late. So she don't get the prayer. She don't get nothing. She barely came to class a lot, but you know how Christians are. I'm about to go evangelize. <laughs> She's the sweetest woman. Honest, honest. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Her name was Sister Gloria. If she ever listened to this, may the Lord bless you, sweetie. She goes out. I said, Sister Gloria, you late, but go ahead and cook up with that team over there, that uh, sister over there, and uh, join their conversation. She says, yes, ma'am. She's so excited. And so the girl starts talking. Now, this girl got one of them tattoos with a teardrop on her face. And, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just standing around watching all my teams. That's what I do, okay? I watch everybody, how they doing, you know. That's all I do. This go bad. So the Gloria walks up, and um, she's talking to the young woman, and this little teenage girl, you know, but she can't, young adolescent, and maybe 18, 19, 20, little teardrop tattoo, you know what I'm saying? And she's like, yeah, you know, and, you know, I just want you to know if you know Jesus. And this girl goes slap off. You effing da 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 And since the Gloria was like, now, you got to know Sister Gloria, she laughs when she's nervous. And this incites this young, this young woman. You think this is an effing gay? <laughs> I'm over there like, oh, no. I run over and diffuse the situation, talk to the young woman, tell Sister Gloria to leave. Had a wonderful conversation, prayed with the young woman. I pray her strength in the Lord. But nevertheless... <laughs> She was not prepared for the amount of life in that place. But if you're not careful, you're so prideful that because you see it, you think you've lived it. Some of y'all get, get in trouble with God because you see Christianity walked out. Hello, somebody. Then you go to try it and slip, slip. Hello? You better be careful what you're standing on. Hello, let me, let me wrap it up because I'm almost, I'm almost to the end of this. Hello? So uh, where was I? Paul goes ahead and talks to Alexander. Alexander, they don't even let him talk, all right? Get out of here. Shut up. Sit down. Greatest Diana of, of the Ephesians. And this goes on for two, two hours. Eventually, the, county, the, uh, the city clerk, the guy who's over, you know, I don't know, secretary and money and stuff, he comes up and he quiets everybody down. He says, listen, what are you guys doing? We know Diana's great. We can't, we can't be out here. I mean, this is, this is the, the clerk of Ephesus, okay? You know Diana is great. We can't be out here with all of this. She's the goddess of whatever. She'll take care of the stuff, all right? These people have not robbed anything, right? He says, for you have brought these men here, this is verse 37, who are neither robbers of temples nor blasphemers of your goddess. Therefore, if Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a case against anyone, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another. But if you have any other inquiry to make, it should be determined in a lawful assembly, for we are in danger of being called in question for today's uproar, there being no reason which we may give account for this disorderly gathering. And when he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. So pretty much, uh, what are y'all doing? All right, Diana's great. She'll be all right. Listen, y'all better stop all of this. What I'd like to draw to your attention is that the believers, Paul, Gaius, 
uh, and Art Ar Aristarchus never blasphemed the goddess of Diana. They just talked about Christ. That was it. Hello? Sometimes we get so caught up in trying to tear down other religions that we miss the point. We have no wisdom. I don't have to tear down what you believe. All I have to do is adequately explain what I believe. And if you're called to be with God, you will. Right? But they never blast him. They never down bad. Oh, Diana, she's stupid. Y'all stupid for believing her. This is dumb. They just talked about the grace of God and his kingdom. That was it. No, you need to hear this, apologists. They talked about God's kingdom and the grace of God's kingdom. That was how they made their defense. How well and in how many ways, oh dear apologist, can you articulate the gospel? Can you articulate it to a child? Can you articulate it to a senior? Can you articulate it to someone on a deathbed? Can you articulate it to someone in prison? Can you articulate it with someone with mental disease? Can you articulate it with someone who is broken? Someone who is grieving? If you want to defend the faith, come on somebody, you don't have to hold up the ark. All you got to do is let God do what he does best. Can you effectively communicate the gospel? With wisdom. You only know how to say it one way to church people. That's it. To people like you. That's it? You can only talk to people like you? You know why you're not good at talking to people not like you? Because you think because you've seen it, you lived it. It'd be a completely different ball game if Sister Gloria would have walked up to that young lady and she said, you don't understand, it's rough out here. You know what, I probably don't. Tell me what's going on. Versus, you don't understand, it's rough out here in these streets. You over here, listen, um, you know, but God is good and no matter how rough it is, God can, shut up. No matter what it is, God can do it. You just gotta just let him do it. You ain't even listening. And you need to listen because you have not lived this. You can do less talking, more listening. But pride makes you think since you've seen it, you have the expertise to say something. Because it was kind of like that time that I, it was kind of like that time that you what? Well, you know, because I have back pain too. It's kind of like that time. Because I have to go to work too. It's kind of like that. No, it's not kind of like that. Well, I mean, I kind of think it is from what I'm saying. I bet you do. I bet you do. That's what keeps getting you in trouble. You ain't got no degrees. <laughs> you ain't got no degrees in this. Hmm. So they dismissed the assembly. Yes? By the time we get to chapter 20, the uproar is done. Paul calls the disciples that were bound and going through that riot and hugs them and embraces them, and he goes to Macedonia. Now, this is probably where he wrote to Timothy. Remember Alexander? Yeah. 
Now he's going to Macedonia and he wrote to Timothy in Macedonia. There's no good such and such. such. <laughs> did us down bad, man. He did us down bad. Always trying to play the fence. Always trying to be, in, be cool with everybody. Hello? You can't stand on nothing. Always trying to see it from everybody's perspective and you ain't got no good foundation. So when he gone over to that region, he encouraged them with many words. He came to Greece and he stayed there three months. And when the Jews plotted against him, as he was about to sail to Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. And so Pater of Berea accompanied him to Asia, also Aristarchus, uh, Secundus of the Thessalonians, and Gaius of Derby and Timothy, and Tychius and Trumphemus. Tr Trumphemus mm -hmm, of Asia. These men going on ahead waited for us at Traos, uh, but we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread and in five days joined them at Troyos, uh, where we stayed seven days. Now on the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul departed, wanted to, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. Just want to underscore that. Okay, they, they came to break bread, and they talked and preached till midnight. Then there were many lamps. It got real dark. And a window, and in a window sat a young man named Eutychus, 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 who was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep. And as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story, and he was taken up as dead. But Paul went down, fell on him, and embracing him said, Do not trouble yourselves, for his life is in him. Now when he had come up, had broken bread and eaten, and talked a long while, even till daybreak, he departed. And they brought the young man in alive, and they were not a little comforted. Wait a minute. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Did y'all did y'all see this here, seriously? The, okay, this is just is, just take the obvious here. They left him. Paul went down, hugged him. Oh, he's still alive. And left. They went back to finish eating <laughs> and preaching. Now till day rise. Then when the sun rises and Paul get ready to go, then the young man come back in the house. <laughs> Do you know what kind of G you got to be? Hello, somebody. To let somebody fall out a third window. <laughs> be preaching your message. I shot it. You know. Uh-oh, he fell out the window. He's all right. Yeah, so in the name of this. <laughs> You got to be a G to let that happen. Do you understand? Like, oh, so you just trust God. Yeah, he'll, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. And he preaches till the sun rises. They eat and preach and finishes everything that he had planned to do. Then he comes to the board. Oh, where's everybody at? Oh, oh, upstairs. Hey, hey, everybody. Yay, he's alive. <laughs> to me, that's hilarious. Paul had vision. He... He knew what he was supposed to do, when he was supposed to do it, how he was supposed to do it, and nobody was going to stop him from preaching. 
not even the boy that fell out. But this is a young man. You know, people go crazy when it's a cheering. Oh, Lord, it's the baby. Oh, Lord, it's the baby. <laughs> you ain't stopping my message. I'm about to preach this. You better pick up your broken, get yourself up. Get up. All right, just lay there and rest. And then when you feel better, join us. Come on up. And went back to preaching. What I'd like to draw to your attention is this young boy, I feel, was too overly confident in two things. His position. You got to be, you, you a little too cocky about where you're seated. You sitting in a place where you think you can go to sleep. Hello, sir. Y'all didn't want to play fair to me. You ever feel like, you know, you're doing real good in God, and then you say, well, you know, I could afford to do a little something, something. I could afford to get a little drink. I could afford to do a little, a little masturbation. I could afford to do a little weed. I could afford to do a little something. I mean, God is doing real good. You was overly confident about your seat. You trying to take rest on a precarious place in your life. You trying to feel normal at a time you ain't supposed to feel normal. You trying to feel regular at a time you ain't supposed to be feeling regular. You trying to feel normal. I'm trying to feel, no, you need to, Pastor, it just feel oh, sometimes good. Pastor, I sometimes, I, right now, and, and you know, since this, I don't even feel right. I said, good. Somebody have an art with me, they pay, Pastor, I'm sorry, I just feel awkward around you. I said, good. You feel awkward? Yeah, uh -huh, good, you should. It'll be all right. <laughs> you know, I just, I, be, I just be like in my mind, I'd be like, oh no, what is Pastor thinking? Yeah, you should. That's, that's, that's about right, yeah. You got too confident in your seat. Too comfortable. Hello, somebody. Now, now, now bear, look, every, if somebody is preaching and you young, hear me. When you're young, you are the next in line. It ain't the old people. It's you. You're the next in line, and where are you? In the back. As far away as possible. Sitting on the ledge. Halfway out, halfway in. This is where you decide to sit and apparently you've been sitting here so long that you done fell asleep. You've been here so long you fell. Oh, how marvelous it would have been if you fell forward. Y'all don't want to help me today. You've been used to sitting on this ledge, hello somebody, half in, halfway consistent, halfway doing what God wants you to do, always justifying something. I'm going to sit back here and observe so I can weigh it out to see what part's for me, what part's not for me. All this is for you, boo! Yeah. Nah, nah, I'm not going to get it all. I'm going to just, I'm gonna just you know, sit back here. You know, I'm still young and all. Okay. It would have been great if you would have fell forward. If you would have fell into the things of God, you would suffer no injury. No, let me help you. Mr. Mr. I want balance. How you feel balancing on that fence? 
You feel good balancing on that fence? Interesting. Now, you've been balancing on this fence for a while based off of your past situations and past church hurts and past problems. And, and I'm not really sure if I'm ready to really commit right now, really ready to go all the way because I tried that, did that. And you balance it right here on this fence. Come on, somebody. It's safer if you fall forward into the things of God. Y'all don't want to help me. If you're going to balance on a fence, if you're going to be on a windowsill, if you're going to be on the edge of something, have the wherewithal to put your weight on the things of God forward. Have the wherewithal to lean in to the things of God. But you ain't got no business falling asleep. You ain't got no business relaxing because in a minute you just might fall back. And injury surely awaits. Injury awaits you. A near-death experience is on its way. Check your own life story. How many times were you on the edge for far too long? How many times did you decide that this is my good seat back here in the back? Not really that involved. Don't really want to get in the mix. Don't really. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And when you fall... Are you going to fall forward? And this is the thing. I don't want to do too much. It's safer to fall forward. I, I don't want to go all the way. It's safer to fall forward. I don't want to just, just jump into this whole thing with God too much. It is safer to fall forward. You stupid. You can't maintain this edge. At some point, you're going to have to take rest. But if you're leaning into the things of God, into the presence of God forward, when you take rest, you fall into him deeper. I lost my footing, but oh, God. Oh, I feel his presence more. Oh, God. I feel his anointing more. Oh, God. I feel his comfort more. Oh, God. When you're leaning into the things of God and you lose your footing, you feel more of God. Somebody to bless the Lord that you fell forward. If they could have had it his way, you would have fell back, but you fell forward. You fell into more of his presence, more of his word, more of his forgiveness, more of his compassion. You fell forward. Could have been another way. Could have been another way. Sit on down. <laughs> Amen. It is my job to teach you. Once I see you fall forward one time, poof, land it prostrate in the things of God. It is my job to teach you get off the ledge. Move away from the ledge. This will mean that your leg's going to hurt. This will mean that you're going to get tired and weary. You don't want to help me. This will mean that you're going to have to start feeling the weight of everything you got going on. But I still need you to move away from the ledge. I still need you to move away from the edge of that thing. You're treading too close. You're treading too near it. But now up here, my legs is burning. I'm getting tired. I'm so overwhelmed. Good. 
how you going to be able to hold yourself up if you don't hold yourself up? You are struggling under the weight of your own self. And you have not learned where a good place to sit is. So since you can't go to the good place to sit, because you're in the back, how about we learn to stand? But I'm just so tired. Stand up. But I just don't understand. Stand up. But I just want to just take a break. Stand up. But it's just so overwhelming. Stand up. But it just, I just don't understand why this keeps happening. Stand up. God, why are you talking to me like that? How else am I going to get you to stand up? You won't move forward. It'd be different if you got up and moved forward. But you're so slow to move forward. It's like the edge of the thing is still in your arm's reach. So the only thing I could do, since you can still have access to the thing that almost killed you, the only thing I could tell you to do is learn to stand. But I just feel uncomfortable. So what? But I just feel like everybody's talking about me. So what? But I just feel like everybody's looking at me. So what? Baby, I got to teach you to stand up under your weight before you can even learn to walk forward hold yourself up you can't walk if you if you can't hold yourself up you're crawling you're created to be a man not an animal stand up and walk upright this hurts because you can't carry your own weight we're gonna lighten the weight and build the muscle, either one, I don't even care. I don't care which one we do. I can take stuff off for you, or I can teach you to hold it up. It's up to you. You want God to remove this thing, or do you want to bear it? But either way, you need to stand. Well, I just don't understand. Okay, so what you gonna do? Go, cra go crazy then. Go ahead, see here, go crazy. Go ahead, that's what you wanna do? Sit on down. Pastor, you mean to tell me you're going to put me on the ledge? You see, I'm already on the edge. I'm on the edge. I'm on the edge. And I come over and do this. Well, fall then. <laughs> Go ahead and fall. Now, her instinct was, <gasps> oh, did you, did you reach out to not fall? But I thought you wanted to fall. <gasps> no, go ahead, fall. <gasps> go ahead, fall, Sierra. I don't want to fall. All right, I didn't think so. Now, get off that ledge. I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to kill myself. But just in case I don't want to die. What? <laughs> Phew. How about it's safe to say that you really didn't want to die? We can just move away from the ledge. Okay? We can just move away. I can teach you how to move away from that. I mean, I'm making it a joke, but it's, we all, some of us have been there. Yeah. I'm not going to say we all, but a lot of us have been to the place of suicide. Too many of us. Right? But the Holy Spirit can bring someone to help you move away from that edge. Yeah. Huh? To stand, to bear the weight, and to walk away. Walk forward. Because that's really, you really want to be there. You want to be over there. Right? Now you get a messed up, fell off the ledge. Now you're three stories down. You is now worse off. Here's where the things of God was happening. 
here's you. Right? And what do the people of God do? They keep moving forward. <laughs> and that can make you so mad. So what does the Lord do? Shh. Just go to sleep. I got to keep moving them forward. We've learned an important lesson today, haven't we? Very good. When you get up, maybe they'll share that lesson with you. I know you think that everything revolves around you. Keep coming to this church. You'll find it does not. But pastor, I'm like, I'm like, you're close. We are. The things of God moves forward. And you decided to take rest. All righty. Amen. Woo. Well, I'm almost done. It ain't even midnight. Look how good we're doing. <laughs> Sleepy person said what? <laughs> so Paul leaves. He decides to go past Ephesus. No, Ephesus was the spot, right? That's what just happened with the, the Diana and everything. You know, who, who you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost. We haven't even heard of baptism in the Holy Ghost. That was there. Ascilla, Priscilla, that was all at Ephesus, right? Ephesus is a jumping city at this point. Like, Christians are just, like, flowing in Ephesus. I mean, it is a big deal. The tension is rising, and Christians are, like, leveling up in Ephesus. All right? They brought down a whole economic system and industry. That's how big Christianity was in Ephesus. They brought down commerce, Right? Ephesus is writhing for, 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 for tension, and the growth of the church is huge. Paul decides, as he's making his way, he's trying to get to Jerusalem. He wants to get to Jerusalem in time for Pentecost, right? So he's trying to get to Jerusalem. He said, I'm not going to go to Ephesus because if I go to Ephesus, they're going to make me stay. You know, no, Paul, don't go. Teach us, preach us, you know, blah, blah, blah. So he's like, I'm not going to go. But what he does is he calls for the elders of Ephesus to come to him. In a neighboring city. He says, you guys meet me, just the elders. Come, meet me over here. I want to talk to you for a bit. And this picks up in Acts chapter 20. So in Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, you know, for the first day that I came to you in, to, to Asia, in what manner I've always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And see now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But nonetheless, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul is trying to go to Jerusalem for Pentecost and every city he goes to, people prophesy that when you go to Jerusalem, it's going to be painful. 
Prison, chains, and pain await you. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't think that that meant that I shouldn't go to Jerusalem. He just went around Ephesus. Go around Jerusalem. Avoid the pain, Paul. People are prophesying that there's going to be pain and chains, Paul. This is the Lord trying to help you. Don't go to Jerusalem. Later, another group of prophets, they prophesy. Tell them directly, don't go to Jerusalem. You know the story, he ends up going to Jerusalem. Right? He goes to Jerusalem. But what I can't understand is why? Why, why go to Jerusalem? Paul! Go another time. Go, go another, go, go, go another at another point. Okay? All right. Like, he's never saying, God told me to go to Jerusalem. He never says that once. But it's clear everyone is prophesying that he doesn't go to Jerusalem. There's something in Paul that makes him want to go to Jerusalem knowing, agreeing that there's going to be pain and suffering. What is this thing in him? He tells us. Do you see it? But none of these things move me. Nor do I count my life dear to myself. Whoa, wait a minute. It's about to go bad for yourself. It's been told things are going to go bad for you. Paul is unmoved. If you go over there, you, 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 they're going to they're take your car. Yeah, they can take it. What? If you do it like that, you're going to lose your job. Yeah, I'll just lose my job. What? He's not even moved by this. He knows it's going to happen. But knowing that is not enough to change his decision. Do you know what you got to stand on? At the threat of things going horribly wrong and you still decide, not even a threat, you know this is a cliff. And I'm just going to walk right off the cliff. But you're going to get hurt. Yeah, probably. I'm here for it. Let's do it. He says that I might do what? So that I might finish my race with joy. It says, and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus. That I might finish my race and ministry with joy. He found something that you and I keep ignoring. When you don't run your race the way God says, you will never have joy. Most of you stop running your race the way God said, and you need pills and drugs and sex and money and everything else to give you your joy back. Yes. 
You need it because you didn't want to run it the way God said. He told you to go down this way. That looked like pain. And so you decided to get your little girlfriend on the side. You decided to get your little boyfriend on the side. You decided to get you an extra job, another hustle, another this, another that, another this, another that, another this, another that. And you had to keep doing this because you decided that when you saw where he was taking you, it was full of pain and you didn't want to go. Let me tell you something. You will still finish the race. Because whether you move forward or not, time does. You will just finish it in misery. Without joy. Bitter. Angry. Looking over your shoulder. Doubtful. Melancholy. Pessimistic. Moody. Why do you have all of these feelings and emotions attached with you living regular? Because you decided to live in a way that, you would, that would not bring you joy. To preserve yourself from pain, now you've got misery. Paul said, I would rather take the pain and it be done than to finish my race with misery and strife. Anybody ever seen those uh, track stars, the clips, the people in running, running in the races, and like they like, like catch, a, catch a cramp? Anybody ever seen them? And they catch that cramp, like, oh! And you be like, bruh, you can barely walk, let alone run. This is your body saying, you're done. It is obvious you're not going to win. You don't want to help me today. You ain't going to win the race. Ain't the point of running the race to win. You ain't going to win. You ain't caught this cramp. Felt, ah! You get up, hobble over to the sideline. Oh, no. He's not hobbling to the sideline. He's hobbling down the track. He's running down the track. He's, he's hobbling. And everybody just patiently waiting for you to hobble down the track. <laughs> then your coach come under. Come under my wing, coach. The coach come under. Oh, oh, look at, look at his tenacity. Oh, look at him. Look at him go. Oh, the dedication. Oh, oh so bad. Oh, I'm so humiliated. Look at everybody looking at me. I'm so stupid. Oh. But he did what? He finished, and he finished with joy. He finished with joy. I did not win the race, but I still finished the course with joy. I couldn't help, per se, what hindered me in my race. Y'all don't want to help me today. I couldn't predict, nor could I help, per se, what really stopped me in the middle of my race. But what I did do is I made sure that whatever tried to stop me in my race did not work. I still finished my race with joy. Yes, I did that. You did not run a good race. Not at all. You weren't fast. 
You weren't valiant. I mean, you did. You was no stride. You looked like you had no structure. And to be honest, somebody had to help you. Somebody that had to come and help you do what you was been training to do all your life. But you knew that the pain you felt was so real that it should have stopped you. Y'all don't want to help me today. So even if I got to get help, come on, somebody. You don't understand that this pain is so bad I should be on the sideline. You don't understand that this pain is so bad I should have quit. But I'm not going to quit because what I want is not to win the race. I want to have joy that I ran the race. I want to have joy that I finished the race. So come on over here and help me. finish the race that I could have joy in the midst of my pain joy in the midst of my sorrow turn my ashes into beauty sit on down what Satan doesn't reveal to you is that when that thing hits that could take you out and you decide to take a break and sit this one out while he tells you all the things about how it's right for you to do so. It's good, look at you. Look at you, Mama Jean, you're a senior. You don't need to be doing all of that. Hello? What they don't tell you is the joy you have. They don't tell you that while I am less than a runner, while I don't look like I ever should have been running. I have so much joy that I'm going to be able to say, I finished. Because I could have been on the sidelines. I could have been on the ledge. I could have been at the windowsill. Come, y'all don't want to help me. I could have been trying to be so even, trying to fit in in so many different places that I could have fell back. But I fell forward. They don't tell you, Satan doesn't tell you that the person sitting on the ledge in pain and agony has two pains. One, they did not win. And two, they did not finish. Even the person that lost the race, that crossed the finish line, could still say they Did you run that 100 meter? Yeah, I ran, I ran the 100 meter at the Olympics. You can't say that. You can say you attempted to run. You tried to run. Like I like when people say, yeah, you know, I went to Georgia, but did you graduate though? Yeah, I, I, went, I, went, I went to the university, but did you get a degree from the university? Everybody can say, yeah, I went over there. I went to that school, but they didn't start to say, did you graduate from there? Because almost, you almost tricked us to think that you, you ran in the Olympics. What, what, did, you, what did you finish? What did you do? What did I, 
See, what had happened was, see, I had got this cramp in my leg. You don't get the joy of actually crossing over the finish line. Like, I may not have run a perfect race, but I gave it my all. I gave it my all. It's right there. That's where I left it. All my training. I did it. That's where it brought me. Satan doesn't tell you that when you quit, you're going to lose twice. He just highlights the amount of pain you're in. Ah. Oh, what was you? Oh. Oh. I should just sit this one out. As a preacher and a pastor, I suffer a lot of pain. Physically, emotionally, mentally. It's just pain, 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 pain. And early on, I used to be thinking, oh, I should sit this Sunday out. And I'd take a couple of Sundays here and there, you know. Oh, pastor, you're tired. Take one Sunday out a month. Every fourth Sunday, let somebody else preach. I'd be like, okay, that'd be great. That's a good idea. Then I realized, I'm losing twice. Satan hit me. Now I'm on the sideline. Wait a minute. You mean tell me, you gonna hit me and I'ma lose? Lord, strengthen me. Somebody get under my arms. <laughs> Lord, strengthen me. Come on, hurry up, what's wrong with you? Lord, strengthen me. Go, oh, okay, I ain't gonna, I'm gonna. Come on, Lord, strengthen me, come on, go. Strengthen me again, Lord, strengthen me, strengthen me. Now, bear in mind, they names is not going to be on the trophy. <laughs> Recognize that your helpers, they not going to have no, they can't say they ran the race. <laughs> Thank you. Only me. <laughs> Ain't nobody going to know their names. They're going to know mine because <laughs> I finished my race. Paul says, I do it because I want to finish my race and ministry that God gave me with joy. No matter if I got to go on broken pieces, no matter the pain that I feel running this race, I'm going to finish it with joy. Because what brings me sadness and pain isn't just the attacks. It's the fact that you stopped me from doing what I was called to do. Because a runner runs. And a Christian, Christians. I'm mad that you stopped me from doing what I was called to do. So I got to get up. Can't stand on the wall. And I got to move forward. Hello? Paul goes on teaching, told that boy to get up. He says, he goes, he goes on to talk to the elders. This is his last speech to them. He says, I brought you here pretty much to tell you that I won't see you again. It's the last time you're going to see my face. Everyone prophesies that I'm going to have chains in Jerusalem. I don't know what's going to happen to me. He said, but you know how I've done. You know how I've lived among you. You know how I've served, how I've preached. 
He says, therefore, in verse 28, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also, from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn every, everyone night and day with tears. He's telling them, be careful of yourself. Be careful of who, God, who, is, who, is, who uh, is coming into the church. And he says, also be careful for who is in the church. Watch for yourself. Watch for people that are coming in. And watch for people who are already here. That is a lot of work. I got to watch for my own soul. Make sure Satan ain't doing nothing on the ickiness trying to get me to mess up my own flock. Huh? That's why I don't date my sheep. Uh-uh. That's too confusing. It's too much stuff in here could go wrong. No. I'd just rather not marry. Nope. Mm-mm. No, thank you. Too much. But I got to be married. I ain't got to have it that bad. I got to watch for my soul as a pastor. What ickiness runs in me, what bitterness, jealousy, gluttony, greed, deception, manipulation, cunningness, any of that. Then I got to watch for new people that come in the door. This is tricky because you want new people to come in the door. But nobody want to be there if you're looking at them like, now I got to look at you like, how do you do that? How do you watch to make sure somebody's not a wolf and also embrace them? Don't worry, I have a method. Shh, don't worry. What he love about the scripture, he says a wolf. This means a wolf is only here for themselves. All I gotta do is watch how much centers around you versus the church of God. It's real easy. There, I told you my secret. I look at your money. I look at your time. I look at how you interact with people. If you're trying to get more than you're giving, because wolves only come around flock to eat. They don't come to sow. They don't come to give. They don't come to to support the flock. They come to take. They only want to participate in what they want to participate in. They only want to give what they want to give. They only want to share what they want to share, do what they want to do. And anything less than that, uh, you know, I don't really agree with my spirit, my spirit, my schedule, my my day, my work. I set our finance team down. Because I kept asking them for a meeting and they just couldn't get back to me with the meeting time. Finance team is a pretty much, you don't do nothing. Once you set their systems in place, it runs on its own. Between them and the CPA, I don't do nothing. 
It all runs, right? They couldn't set a meeting. I have to work. I have my clients, my clients, my clients. They both got clients. My clients, my patients, my clients, my patients. I don't ask the finance team for nothing. They have to do nothing but just the same job. No extra meetings, no extra outreaches, no extra planning, nothing. Once you set it in motion, just do that. That's it. And you can't give me, you having a hard time with a meeting time? You don't have to, oh, because you might have to take off work. Other departments have had to take off work plenty of times, the leaders have, in order to do what God needs them to do. If I set a meeting, the leader will have to say, I have to take off work that day, without question. Oh, but the finance team, take off work? We don't understand what that means. Take off work for church? Like a thing that we're meeting? No, 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 no. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Just sit down. Thank you. <gasps> so you're going to have the position, but don't have to have the sacrifice. That's a wolf, if you're not careful. They're not wolves. They're not wolves. Okay, you, I would not let you be on my finance team if you were a wolf. All right, that's not the key. Well, we're not going to allow that kind of thing to remain. It's not going to happen. Right? You can't keep taking. Now, some of you make excuses for taking. And there's a time in your life, can I use you as an example, where I will permit you to be more of a taker. You know, you had a rough childhood, rough life. Learn some bad habits. Huh? You did. You did. It, but then I could see the heart. Wanted to give. Wanted to do. Ooh, janky, janky, janky. Ooh, oh, that, that the real. You, you, you stole something on that one. That, that, you ain't supposed to do that now. That's, right? That's what happens. And after that, now you're going to get this together. All right, start giving back. This girl ain't stopped giving back to this <laughs> church. It's like I took, I embraced her when she was self, 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 self from a bad past. You know, sometimes we don't mean to be a taker, but we don't know how to survive. So I could be there with you through that. But after that, you better start showing some giving. And this girl ain't stopped giving. She give her time. She give her money. She be there for everybody, all the stuff, all the people. Be there for me. She give me good things, silly things, sweet things, expensive things. She give it to the church. She give it to every, all the other. You look at all y'all blessed by Danny at some point. When she was going through and she felt so bad she felt so dirty I remember I said it's gonna be all right Danny she said but pastor everybody looking at me I said don't nobody care what they looking at it's gonna be all right Danny I see you for who you're really supposed to be in God I really know it I don't we're gonna get rid of this that ain't gonna be named among you and now look at how many people she's blessed saw her mess you complained about her mess to me 
Oh, so you just gonna take up for Danny? Yeah. I mean, that was wrong. But you know, poor baby. When is it gonna be stop being poor baby? Cause you need to shut up. You're not good at rebuilding. You don't have the anointing to rebuild. And your tongue only knows how to tear things down. So I tell you, shut up. I say, you're making me uncomfortable. I say, all right, all right, all right, that's enough. People have to be careful how they even bring an ought to me, which is why some of y'all get in trouble. Because if I look in your heart and you bring in this ought in order to serve you more than to serve your brother or sister, I don't give two merits about what you're saying. Now my eyes is on you. What, what's in there? What, what, what you got going on in there? What, what is this? You're like, I was just trying to say, mm, yeah, but you said something else. Hello? It's a real thing. People come in broken, trying to be whole. And most really want to serve God. They don't know why it keeps coming out janky. The Lord wants to teach you how to not lean on the edge. How to hold your own weight. And yes, that could come with a lot of baggage from your past. But we're either going to lift that baggage, the ones we can take off, or we're going to develop the muscle to hold it all up. Two things are possible. Amen? Amen. So he gives them a warning. It says that the wolves are in here. They're going to come. They're going to come to eat and devour and to take. To come in with confusion. Scattering people. And I, I, know, I, love, I love a good wolf move. Y'all don't know, but I love a good wolf move. Because sometimes I get wolves in my church. And they don't know that I consider them a wolf. Eventually, but, if, if, but if, you, if you're like a member and you're a wolf, like you got wolf tendencies and you're a member, I'll try to tell you, you're doing a wolf thing. Because that wolf spirit has to get a sheep by itself. Always. Some of you ain't never been a wolf. Maybe you just had wolf-like tendencies from a wolf-like spirit. I don't know. Get it where you get it. I don't know what you want to label yourself as. But you got to get somebody for yourself. Who's going to be my person? My thing? My, my A1 from day one? Who's going to be it? And it's all, you always got to have that one little. In, and you think that some of you, when you start getting into romances and stuff, you think that this one person that is just there for you is what marriage is about. It's not. But you use this to determine whether that person is a candidate for marriage, if you feel that they are your person, they are just for you above all people. That's not even an appropriate look for marriage. So then you start feeling like, yeah, I could just have that one person that really knows me and just gets me and it's just that. And it's. Do you know how dangerous it is for any human being to be circled, loved, Supported, upheld, and encouraged by only one person? Do you know how dangerous that is? But you convince yourself that this is love. I only tell one person everything. 
Only one person knows everything. You are stupid. Because that person ain't even Jesus. If this one person messes you up, you are, t- you are falling back. You are done, done. You are over and done. I mean, you is, we got to pick you up from the ground up. I never thought he would do that. I never thought she would ever. I gave my heart to that person. I love her. And I be thinking, I'm not telling you not to have people that are close to you. Not at all. I'm, I, I like to have a lot of people close to me. I have a lot of intimate relationships, and I don't mean physical. Well, I divulge my heart to a lot of people. How do you know? Because they, they all had the same story. Your encounter with me is pretty much the same as her encounter with me and blah, blah, blah. Because I'm not one way with one person and only tell this person to this person this kind of stuff. And only tell that person this kind of stuff. And only deal with that person with this kind of stuff. No, everybody gets me. Here I am. I mean, I give it all to you at one time, but you about to get all of this over time. <laughs> Here I am. Oh, look at Pastor. That's her, yeah. And everybody has the same story. You can't keep that up unless it's authentic. And some of you try to act like you're authentic, but it catch up with you because everybody got a different side and a different version of you. So then we all know. Mm not so much authentic right but I believe in having a lot of intimate relationships close friendships die hard people that are walk with rock with me and walk with me through Christ do I have a one that stands out the most not anymore it was my mom but I had a ton I have tons right no one person is more important than the other my circle keeps me lifted in all kinds of ways. I got a food person. I got a fun person. I got a spiritual person, a prophetic person. I got, you know, I got a theological person. You know, I got somebody that can play golf with me, somebody to talk about love and relationships. I got just. This makes me not desperate. When somebody doesn't do what I want them to do, I don't feel lack. I don't crumble. I'm not telling you not to have intimate relationships. I'm telling you that you have got this thing wrong, that you think it's supposed to be one person, and you only want it to be one person so you can control that one person. And that's for you, marriage and matrimony means someone that is obligated, and no one wants a relationship based off of that because we took vows together. Even God didn't want that. That's why he sent his son. Amen? Amen. So he warns them, gives them tears, and he cries. I'm going to close on this one because it's, it's Paul. Like, why is he going to Jerusalem? They cry. He cries. He says, guys, I got to go. Keep an eye out for the sheep. Watch out for yourself. Watch out for those that are coming in. You got a tough job. So I've shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he said all these things, he knelt down and prayed for them all. Then they all wept freely. 
and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke that they would see his face no more. And they accompanied him to the ship. These are folks that had the greatest revival Paul had ever seen. He came to pass that he went and departed from there and set sail, running a straight course. They came to Kos the following day to Rhodes and from there to Patara. And finding a ship sailing over to Phoenicia, we went aboard. Y'all still good? Yeah. Well, we got to go and set sail. And when he had sighted Cyprus, we passed it on the left, sailed to Syria, then landed in Tyre. Tyre, for the ship there was to unload her cargo. And finding disciples, we stayed there seven days. They told Paul through the spirit not to go to Jerusalem. And when we had finished our voyage, um, we taken our leave. And when we had finished our voyage, we came to Ptolemyus, greeted the brethren, and stayed with them one day. Verse 8 of 21. On the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip. You guys remember Philip? Yeah. The evangelist, one of the seven elders put in place in Jerusalem. Now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. And as we stayed many days, a certain a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his hands and own feet and said, Thus the Holy Spirit says, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him to the hands of the Gentiles. That belt belonged to Paul. Now when he had heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So when he would not be persuaded, we cease saying the Lord, uh, the will of the Lord be done. We'll stop right there. They begged Paul not to go. You're killing yourself. Don't do it. He said, what? You're breaking my heart here. I'm ready to die for the cause of Christ. I'm ready to go through whatever I have to go through. In truth, this is my ministry. To go to places that could be dangerous for the opportunity to preach the gospel, to go back to Jerusalem. And the thing is that Paul was prophesied about Paul's life that he would go to the Gentiles and he would preach to both kings and Jews alike. So when you tell him, if you go to Jerusalem, the Jews are going to turn you over to the hands of the Gentiles. All he hears is, here is an opportunity to do ministry. He is not really that cognizant of all the pain and suffering that is going to come along with that because he sees nothing but what he's called to do. It doesn't mean that he doesn't know it exists. It means that it's not enough to move him. Your ministry and your call should be as such. That no matter the threat of pain and suffering and things not going your way, you clearly see what you are called to do. And you let everything else be in the hands of God.
Paul did not die in Jerusalem. We'll get to that next week, standing all over the house. For the joy of finishing my race and ministry. Come on, the altar is open. Have you picked up some of the world stuff, some secular things you need to lay it down at the altar? Some means and methods that the world has given you? Have you carried around bitterness, anger, and strife? Have you sat too close on the edge, sat on the fence, leaned back and not forward? Have you wanted to stop carrying your own weight, bearing your own cross, lifting your burden? Have you tried to quit, give up, back down, go back? Have you decided to rest at a time where it was not time to rest? It's time to train, time to learn. Have you fought with Satan's goods with your words and not with the goods of God? Have you used the sword of your spirit and not the spirit of, the, of God Almighty? Have you cut people and had no way to repair them? Has your tongue had no bridle? Has someone filled your heart with words that only Satan would want to manifest? Have you waged a good warfare or a poor one? Father, we stand before you now, God, hearts open before you alone. Allow your Holy Spirit, Christ, to come into our hearts and to heal, restore, remove. Put weed killer on some stuff. Uproot some things. Add some nutrients. Put some ammonia down here, some nitrates, all the kind of stuff to make my soil good. But I don't want to produce any old ratchet seed. God, I want to produce the seeds of God. Give me your word today as you have. Allow the words that you've preached from the woman of God to come into my heart and then allow them to create emotions. And those emotions create thoughts and those thoughts create actions that I might show the works that align with my faith. Touch my heart. Forgive me of my wicked tongue. Forgive me of all the things that bubbled up out of me when things started to go south. I didn't even know that kind of, oh, God, I thought I was stronger than that. I thought I was more mature than that. I thought I understood things different, and I, here it is. Lord, forgive me. I don't even want this kind of stuff in my heart, let alone say it. Strengthen me. I know you're going to put me on a trainer's course. Like some athlete, you're going to train me on how to see things rightly. To see ministry and my race clearly. And as I understand the race more clearly, you'll show me that the exercises, the tests, the trials, and all of these things are designed to build me for my race. Help me not to shrink back from doing the work. Help me to lean into the side that hurts. Lean into the place of where you are really focusing. Forgive me for being childish, immature, selfish, self-preserving. Forgive me for taking up the spirit of wolfdom. <laughs> For trying to separate people for them to be for me and only for me. Forgive me for trying to have my own friend, my own clique, my own this. God, I don't own nobody. They belong to you. Surround me with people and saints that have your heart. Surround me with family and friends that have your spirit. Teach me how to be authentic, transparent, 
open. Give me courage to be real and true. Help me to stand when people use things against me. Get me to stop having my head on a swivel. Help me to be more trusting. Help me to surrender to your will. Help me to trust your protection. Your peace guards my heart and mind. Not what I do. Help me to eat your word. To receive and to study. Help me not put trust in earthly things and all these talismans that people try to sell me about how I can get this in my life and I can have that in my life. And all I need is a relationship with you because when things go bad, I want to be right where you told me to be when you told me to be there. People are making money by trying to make life complicated and it's real simple. God. God and his kingdom. When I feel like falling or sitting or resting, teach me to fall forward. Help me to stop being so afraid of giving you 100%. Help me to stop people pleasing. Help me to work on a firm foundation rather than trying to see everything from everybody's perspective so clearly. First things first, a strong foundation then you can start taking on empathy and perspective and views. Help me to first have a strong foundation with you. Give me the types of principles that matter. That's yours. Help me to be bold and courageous, even when it's not favorable or popular. Help me to have courage to speak a word, to know your word. 